This is episode number 12 with Carmen Tarleton. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. At American Snippets, we have had the opportunity to meet extraordinary people who teach us so much about the power of a positive mindset. Every day, we are blown away by the feats these people accomplish and the odds they overcome in work and in life. We are especially impressed with how these people find a way to help others meet their own challenges. And in today's episode, we are left nearly speechless by the story Carmen Tarleton so gracefully shares with us. It was on June 10th, 2007, when Carmen was asleep in her own home, when she was violently awakened by her ex-husband. She was beaten and insulted in front of her two daughters before her assailant took it to unimaginable levels by dousing her with industrial strength lie. Carmen clung to life for months after that in a medically induced coma while her doctors and her body valiantly fought for her survival. And when she awoke, it was to a new and shocking reality. You see, Carmen was severely disfigured from third degree burns over 80% of her body. She was blind and had lost an ear, as well as a substantial portion of her face, all from the burns that she suffered. The challenges she has faced in the years since are nothing sort of short of immense, and the will with which she commits to overcoming each one is positively inspirational. So listen to Carmen share her story on today's episode of American Snippets. And without further ado, here's my co-host, Barb Allen, with Carmen Tarleton. Welcome to American Snippets. I'm Barb Allen, and my co-founder is Dave Brown. Life is jam-packed with unfairness, both real and perceived. We may not always have a say in what happens to us, but we absolutely have a say in how we respond to it. It took me years to come to terms with my husband's murder and the unfairness of every single aspect of it. I was bogged down in bitterness. I wasn't able to forgive or able to cope with everything that happened to me, everything that was thrust upon us in the aftermath of tragedy. Fortunately for me, I was and still am surrounded by people who inspire me to be my own inspiration. Today's guest is one of these people, and I'm very, very excited and honored to have her here with us today. I first heard Carmen Blandin Tarleton's story about a year ago when I attended an event with my son. Recently, I attended the same event again, and this time I had the opportunity to meet this wonderful woman. I bought her book, I devoured every single page, and I was thrilled when she agreed to be a part of American Snippets. Her book here, Overcome, Blinded, Burned, and Blessed, shares the first part of her incredible story. Today, Carmen, well, first of all, welcome to American Snippets. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dart. Sure. Thank you so much for being here. I'm holding this book up here for people to see. And later on, we'll send them uh, to your link and tell them how they can go ahead and get your book too, okay? Sure. All right. So um, your book shares really the first part of your incredible story. A, a lot has happened since this book was published. Can you take us first through what the what the book covers, what it's about, um, you know, the first the, the first part of the story? Sure. The, 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 my first book that you're talking about really <clears throat> tells the story of what happened to me. Um, it, it has a little background in the in the beginning of the book when I met my second husband. 
Um, but it really focuses on what happened to me in June of 2007, where he, uh, where we were getting, uh, divorced and we'd been together for almost nine years. And he ended up attacking me one night at my home and, um, dousing me with an industrial strength lie, burning 80% of my body, leaving me completely blind. And, um, so that, so that is the story of pretty much of my recovery up until about the first five years, up until to, uh, 2012, December of, of, um, 2000, I'm sorry, 2011. December of 2011 is where the story ends when I'm put on the face transplant, uh, candidate list, uh, to have a full face transplant. So that's where that story ends. Um, and it, and it does cover a lot of my, uh, difficulties. I've been, uh, extremely challenged and, uh, still am. And, um, and it, and it really just shares what I went through at the time. And it doesn't just share it. I mean, you go, you go right in, you take people into every raw moment. Um, so they really, when you're reading this book, it is impossible not to be just floored by everything you went through. And even so that night of the attack was, you know, horrific enough, but almost it seems like that was just the beginning of things. I mean, with everything you've gone through since then, it's one thing to even just survive an attack like that, emotionally and physically survive an attack like that, where your ex-husband broke into your house and, and attacked you in front of your children. Um, so to make a decision to survive that, and then you have had to make that decision repeatedly in the years since. It's not like you have one struggle and you say, okay, I'm going to get through this and you fight and you push your way through. The aftermath of this is continuing to impact you today. And the, the ups and downs where you have hope given and hope taken away in this book, I think the part that, not like I wasn't floored through the whole story Anyway, but when you, when you regained your vision and then you lost it again for that period, um, I think for me, that is when I almost sort of crashed hardest with you because to have that restored and then taken and the fact that you choose to continue every single time something like that happens. Like for me, the Wi-Fi wasn't working here this morning. I'm getting all aggravated, right? But you're like, <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to just take whatever comes at you. You know, you let yourself deal with the emotion that you need to deal with, but then you always, always come back. So can you, you were the seventh person in this country. Is that correct? To get a facial transplant? I, yeah, I, I think I was. I know I, there are, you know, they did partial faces. So I, I, I was the fifth full face. Fifth full face. Full face. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think I was ninth in the world. And something else that you touched on with, People may not even consider, you know, a lot of people when they know about organ donation, um, we're familiar with the terms of rejection and all that. But something very interesting that you had to deal with is that you were in a full match because you'd had so many blood transfusions before then yeah. that you were blood and tissue. Yeah. Yeah. They put a lot of tissue, cadaver uh, tissue on your body when you're burned because you lose all your skin. Yeah. So I, and of course, all the blood and other blood components. Yes. 
So you had to deal and now you're struggle now you're dealing with with rejection issues. I I am at this time I have been dealing with it since May. Um usually face transplant patients have less severe uh little rejection episodes that we've all had um now and again and but for me because I don't have a complete match I've uh, gone into a, a more serious kind of rejection. So I've had a lot of, uh, uh, I've had a protocol treatment, uh, do, I've been doing that and it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Physically, it's tough. And I don't tolerate things as a normal physical 49 year old woman because I am, I've lost so much, you know, sub Q tissue. I, I'm an 80% dern. I'm, I'm mostly scarred. Right. You know, so I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of room to move when it comes to, uh, the side effects of some of these medicines. But what you do have is an extraordinary will. Um, another, I mean, there's, I keep saying one thing you touch on, but there's so many things you touch on. Um, you touch on how you made a conscious effort to not become addicted to that pain medicine, how you, you know, you speak right now about how much pain you in, and there's a lot of people who would right away, our first instinct is to go for that, you know, medicine cabinet and grab something to take the pain away. But you are very adamant about not becoming addicted. Right. To pain I, you know, I, uh, at this time, I have to use it, um, but I use it so sparingly. Right. Because I, you know, I, I just, I've been there, done that, and that was a new kind of hell. And, and that story, will be in my second book, which I'm writing now. You are? Uh, yeah, I'm writing my second book now. It's it's going to be called um, Many Faces, Same Soul, Creating a Life After Tragedy. That's awesome. So, so I have a lot of all the stories after my face transplant and during during my face transplant. And, and um, so I, you know, I, I have to use it come certain times. And um, and I'm not against using it. I'm just I have to just be very careful because I don't want to get physically dependent on it again for any reason. Right, and that is the so, difference. You know, you're depending on yourself and using that as a tool to help you through, rather than right depending right. on it's that. It's not my first choice. I, right, yeah. and yeah. I I, and I must say this: what I'm going through now has really, in the last few weeks, has really done. I haven't had this kind of pain in many years. Uh, I haven't been challenged like this in many years. And I must say, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I I do not like having to go back there. And I was quite surprised that I've I've gone back there. I've made a choice to go back there and have this treatment to to see if I can save, save my face. So right now, it's worth it to me. It's worth it to me. And I have to keep reminding myself that um, to move forward. That That is a good message, you know, where people can get down and give up on something because it's hard, it's difficult, it's painful in some way. I think you just ram that home. If it's worth it to you, you go that extra distance. Well, there, you push there's it. a lot of power. There's a lot of power guard in choice. Yes. There's a lot of power in self-responsibility. And I, I get to the point where, you know, in my head, I, I sometimes blame people. But I know it's crap. <laughs> I, I take self-responsibility 
um, for my choices. If somebody, for just for an example, somebody doesn't treat you very well. Uh, okay, I I don't have to have anything to do with that person. I can let that person go instead of just staying in that relationship or that friendship and and ditching about it. You know, it, that's that's not that's not self responsibility. There's a lot of power in that. You know, power and choice. It does. And that is, uh, it's not something that necessarily comes naturally to most people. It is absolutely a skill set that needs to be learned. Yeah. Well, I totally, I totally agree with that because our society, it does not natural because our society doesn't teach us that. Right. Culture doesn't teach us that, you know, and, and so there's so many things in our culture that are just to my, my perspective. It's just false premise. It's just not truth. And it just dogs you down with your self-worth and, you know, and all of this, all these issues that are not dealt with, emotional issues as you're growing up. And, you know, all of this is just your parents do as good as they can, of course. But society doesn't go there. No. Of how to, how to treat each other and how to, you know, you know, it's okay to cry. You know, That's you're a not a wuss. And if you cry, you know, and just stuff like that. So I like when I go out and do public speaking, especially to the young people, I I like to really hone that in and just say, because they're the ones that are going to change it. Yes. The incoming generations are the ones that are going to change it. So, so to me that I love speaking to the young people. I can tell you. So that is uh, where I saw you at the Congress for Future Medical Leaders. Um, and this was the second year I attended with my son and my nephew also came you know, with his mother, my sister and your message to the kids. What are, there's five, six, seven thousand kids there. I don't know how many kids, but it's a lot, thousands of kids there. Yes, thousands. Yeah. Uh, and you did something. So I have four teenagers and I speak to them for five minutes and their eyes are glazing over and they're in torture, you know, <laughs> they don't, but you had thousands of teenagers paying attention to every single thing you said. And my son made it a point to tell me what an impact you made on him. And he was excited to meet you. And I didn't let him read your book first because I read it first, but he's next. Yeah, (laughs) We're taking turns. So you've somehow managed to capture the attention of all of these teenagers. Do you also, do you go into schools and speak? I, I have gone into schools in, in Stoke, even as young as seventh and eighth graders. Um, and I don't, I don't trigger code anything. It's, no. it's, and I think, and I've got, you know, like at the Congress, I've got about 15 minutes. So what am I going to say in 15 minutes to get these, te- these kids' attention and make a difference? And, um, and I, and I just feel like that my story will do that. Yes. My story is so out there. My, not, you know, the last 10 years of my life have been just almost unimaginable. So my story, you know, gets people's attention and then I have their attention and then I, then I can be creative and, and try to really, uh, help, help them. Then you deliver them. I've got only a short period of time. So, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's, I'd love to do it. And that, and that was, and that was a part of, you know, in my book, when life is a choice, I just felt because I wasn't a battered woman and this big event happened that never happens like that. 
I just felt like, you know, it was, it was, it was a calling. It was my purpose. And so there was very much good that came out of that very, very negative event. Yeah. And that is something I have found personally and professionally as well, that often if you can convince yourself to make that choice, to see it through, you will discover all the good things that come, the good people and the good events and good changes in your life that come. But it's that middle ground where people are lost. And sometimes even then, like maybe people will look at you and say, oh, she's fine. She's touring. She's writing her second book. She's got it together. Maybe they overlook the fact that for you, every every single day is a choice. I mean, for everybody, every single day is a choice. But some people have to commit to that choice a little more, you know, so... Sure. Especially if you live in chronic pain, you yeah. know, I, I, I wouldn't say, I would say I, I've gotten out of a chronic pain because I've gotten, uh, before this, uh, rejection episode, I, I was doing the best I'd ever done. Right. Uh, you know, and I, my pain, you know, maybe I had a little discomfort during the day that I had learned to live with it. And so it didn't bother me, you know, when I do yoga and I, you know, certain things to help my scars. Because uh, it's more scar pain than anything, so you know that it's it's uh people don't sometimes it's really hard because people don't see you as a regular person anymore, and that's part of our culture and our society um, where we don't we see celebrities we see people that you know uh, that have gone through big events and it's really hard to see them. As a, as a normal, regular person, and, and I am a normal, regular person, and I try to relay that, yeah. that, that I'm, not in, I'm not much different than anybody else. I have, a, I have a certain kind of will and determination that a lot of people have, um, and I had a will and determination to stay, to live, uh, because I had children. I had two daughters mm -hmm. and I really believe if I hadn't had children at the time that happened, right. I'm not so sure I would have stayed and tolerated all the pain and all the struggles I knew that were coming. So, you know, so all, you know, it was all meant to be, you know, there, there is divine intervention. There, there is something way beyond what we can see. And I know that. And when you know that, and it doesn't matter how you know that or what you believe that when you really know that, Boy, you can really, there's power in that. There's power in that truth. There's power in that knowledge. Other, other what your, you know, whatever your perspective is, doesn't matter as long as it serves you. Uh, you know, that's what I think. So I had no judgment to anybody who, who believes this or believes that. If it's serving them and it's good for them and it's not hurting anybody else and, you know, then good for you, then go for it. You know, that's how I, I see things now. If you can find a, a purpose, it's easier to cling on to your choice to, to push through. But you have to find that purpose. And a lot of people struggle to find that purpose or they, yes, we can, we can misunderstand the purpose maybe. Um, so I think your story is it touches on so many areas of life where people can use it for small struggles to big struggles. Did it yeah. take you a while before people were comfortable? You, when you just talked about um, treating you as a normal person, right? Did it take you a while for people to maybe say something to you, maybe vent about their day or complain about something and then say, oh, I shouldn't complain to you? Does that still happen to you? 
it yeah. happens in my world all the time with stuff that yeah. you know, things that we've gone through. So right. is it, do people still, still say, happens. oh, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be complaining to you. But see, the thing is, is that what when people do that, I tell them, I said, listen, um, you know, when everybody thinks that that I and I have been through more challenges than the average person that I agree with that. But listen, to connect with me and to connect with anybody else, if you know how I felt, then we then that's all that matters. So if somebody's having a bad day or it's somebody having the worst pain in their lives and maybe it's something, you know, maybe it's a broken foot right. or something. And they say, you know, you know, I can't complain because look at Karn and look at all the pain Karnan's gone through. You see that that's irrelevant to me. We connect by feeling. So when I say this is the worst pain I've had and you say that's the worst pain you've had, then I, then I know what that pain is. It doesn't matter where the level was. That the judgment of I've had more pain than you. See, to me, that's just judgment. So I, so when you tell me you've had this is the worst pain and you're feeling very blue or something, I know what that feels like, so I can relate to that. Yep, I you think see? that is a that is one of the hardest things to get people maybe to understand. And I yeah. know when they say that, they're not saying it to be, it's almost like a compliment in their eye, you know, in their yeah, mind, it, yeah. it's a compliment. It's a, yeah. or it's a reminder or it's a, a nod to you and everything yeah. you've been through. But what it almost winds up doing is creating a divide. That's, that's not there. Like in our, in our heads or in your heads, you're like, Oh, Hey, I'm having a good day today. I saw this great movie or I heard this funny joke or it was a beautiful sunset or whatever it is that put you yeah. in a good mood. And then somebody comes along and says that to you and you're like, it's almost like they're reminding you that you're not supposed to be <laughs> to be happy or to be normal, you know, when they say that. So even the little things like that uh, yeah. be something that people don't necessarily process or think of. I call it the, the last in line syndrome. Like everybody has to turn around as long as there's somebody behind them that, you know, that they see is doing worse. It's like they feel a little more comfortable um, with their own with their own situation yeah. sometimes. But um, so you have developed. <laughs> Uh, a good relationship with the daughter of the donor. I have. Donor, right. How, how special is that? I mean, that's really, that, you know, that is, you know, my face transplant. I, I just can't wait for my second book to be done. Because, I can't either. Uh, my, my face transplant was a big blessing. It, it was, it's, it served such a great purpose for me. It, it, it extended my life. I, you know, and I was on, incredible amounts of, of narcotics because I had such scarring in my neck and my neck was such a problem and it was so painful most of the time and and I couldn't do anything about it and when the face transplant option came to be I just was all in and I never changed my mind I never wavered yeah. I knew it was a saving grace and it was and then to be able to meet Narinda my donor's daughter, Cheryl, who's my donor, and uh, Cheryl Dinelli Ryder, and her daughter, Narinda. And I, I tell you, it, it's just been a, uh, it's just been one of those magical experiences that, you know, most people don't get to go through. And it's just, we've just been so connected just so easily. And, and she really appreciates when she sees me, she sees her mother's face. Mm -hmm. She kisses her mother's face. And, and I'm fine with that. It's my face now. I understand that. 
and I and now I do say it's my face. You know, it's a process going through wearing somebody else's face. Sure. It's very sci-fi. And she sees me and she kisses me and she knows she knows it's me, but it is her mother's face. Yeah. It just is. You know, and and that gives her so much comfort, and that just gives me that just makes me happy. It just makes me happy that that it gives her so much comfort. Yeah, and you know, and and so we have a great connection, and she's a great, great, sweet, loving, giving person. That is so, that is good. You know, not everybody sustains relationships like that. Sometimes, no, right? Exactly. Have, you know, right. the donors and family and the recipients yeah. will meet and carry that meeting with them. But I don't know of all too many who stay in as close touch as as you guys have, and I I can imagine that that is just. One little special aspect that uh, I feel, I feel it it sure is. And I feel like her older sister because I'm right. My age is right between her and her mother. I just feel like her older sister. I feel like not even obligated or responsible. I feel like I'm her older sister and, and, you know, I'm going to keep watch for her. Uh, I'm going to keep watch over her. Yeah. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. I just have that connection with her now. That is. That is great. Um, one other thing that you speak often on and, and deeply about is the power of forgiveness and what you went through to reach that place in your lives. And I know that there are so many people out there who struggle with this on on various levels from you know forgiving the person who cut them off in traffic to forgiving the spouse that cheated on them or in my instance, forgiving the person that killed my husband. Um, you know, everybody's got their own struggle. So can right. you tell us a little bit more about how you decided to pursue forgiveness and why? What was your your motivation? What's come of it? My, my, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but in 2010, and I write about some of this in my book, of course, the first book, I can't cover every story and every detail, but I, uh, I was feeling blue. I didn't know why I, you know, so I went and I always, even in the, even before I was injured, if I felt like sort of stuck and, you know, I'm a growth person, I'm all about self-development. And even then I was, but I didn't know I was. So I said to my mother, you know, take me to the bookstore. And I started listening to all these different kinds of inspirational books and spiritual people and religious people and all these different kinds. Uh, and, and, and and Louise Hay, I don't know if you know about her, but she's she's a very uh, gifted author, and she had a talk that I got on CD, and and she said, you know, you don't really move forward until you forgive. In our country, in our society, forgiveness, we don't really know what forgiveness is, and I didn't know what true forgiveness was because I sat down and I started thinking about forgiveness, and I. We would remember a time when my sister, I have a sister that's a year older than me. So we, you know, fight and da, da, da. And I would get upset and, and, and then, but I, okay, I forgave her. And then, uh, you know, if the subject was brought up later, I was just as angry then as I was beginning. And that to me, that was not forgiveness. So I, I felt like we didn't know what true forgiveness is. So I had to find out what true forgiveness was and true forgiveness is really the ability to look at yourself, 
to to look at everything you have done that's negative to other people and forgive yourself and to understand that we all, even the best, sweetest person is going to hurt somebody's feelings, is going to say something wrong, is going to be angry at somebody at some time. That's, that's, that's who, that's who we are. We have, and you know, so to me, forgiveness was about that. And once I was able to look in the mirror, in my mirror and say, Oh, okay. I treated, now we judge. Okay. He treated me a lot worse than I ever treated anybody. That's true. I did not, of course, I did not deserve that kind of treatment. Of course I didn't. Of course. But the truth was, it was already done. And if I wasn't going to let go of that, if I could not forgive him, it wasn't going to hurt him. It, you know, holding that anger towards somebody does not help hurt them. No. It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is about letting it, letting it go for yourself. Because once it's done, it's done. And we can be angry for years. And that's only stopping our own growth. That's only making us sick. That's all, you know, all of the stuff we hold that we are not letting go of negative things like this. This is the big stuff, the big tragedies. I understand. But you know what? I want to live. I want to move forward. I, I got things I want to do. And I can't be weighed down with being angry at him. I can't get mad at him every time I have to have a surgery. I mean, how many, how long are you going to blame him for every decision I make when I want a surgery? That's his fault. You know, it, it just get it just gets out of, out of whack. So I, you know, so you forgive him. You, you let him, you're not letting him off the hook. You're not condoning what he did. You're freeing yourself. You free yourself from that stuff. And it lets you go. And I, I was able to do that. And to me, that was just another blessing. I had so many blessings. I had so many spirits on my side. And I was able to do that. And then, and after I did that, within six months, I was public speaking. I was disfigured then. It's very disfigured. It was difficult for people to look at me. So I had to shine my inner light so bright that people could look beyond my scarred face. And that's, that was, so that's what I learned from forgiveness. And I don't, I have compassion for him as a human being. He, his, my pain was temporary, is temporary. He caused me temporary pain. He's caused himself pain his whole life. He's taken his whole life. And so, you know, and so I have compassion for him as a human being. And, and I don't, I don't think, I don't have any ill feelings towards him. Because well, ill feelings towards him or anybody else for a long period of time, if you don't deal with it and work through it, you're only hurting yourself. You're not hurting them at all. You're only hurting yourself. So you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. What's that, done is done. That is a very, that might be one of the most difficult um, lessons to learn and difficult it, it, it is. to it practice. It is difficult. It is difficult because we are, we don't have that in our society. No. We have put them in jail, you know, execute them. <laughs> you know, we have all of these very strong perspectives and very strong feelings about people who commit terrible crimes. 
you know, and, and so, so, and that's, but that kind, and I understand that. I understand that. And it's not like, I, I, I don't disagree with, with people's feelings about that, but that's not how I think of it because that doesn't help us. Doesn't yeah, help. There's, and victims will stay victims in that kind of perspective. There's responding to it appropriately, you know, trials mm-hmm. and prisons and sentences. And there's a responding to it with hatred and bitterness. Um, and those two need to be compartmentalized and separated a little and maybe in order for true healing to, right. to happen. And you can't hang on. Like for, for in my instance, I found that I became so consumed for when I got through the immediate aftermath of my husband's murder, I then allowed myself to be, to place my own survival, the dependence on my own recovery on the verdict. Well, I will be okay. As soon as he goes to jail, I will be okay. As soon as he gets the death penalty, I will be okay. As soon as this happens. And then the the courts acquitted him. He was set free. And this whole system that I had established for myself out of bitterness and revenge and anger didn't have the strength. There was nothing there to sustain it because that outcome I had depended on didn't happen. I had to start all over because Mm -hmm. I had, I had placed my own recovery in the wrong outlet on the wrong path. I didn't place it on myself. I placed it on something I was helpless to right, something that something you didn't have control of. Yes, um, and yeah, some, you know, some on the event you you needed to happen, but you had no control had no over control it. over it. Uh, and I didn't. If, if he had that. he had gone to jail and you had gotten what you wanted, you it's, would have had to start over anyway. Yes, and exactly, it. it still would have been based on a false sense of yeah. recovery and healing. And right. I, I'm not sure that that's a lesson that can be. Absorbed and taught without being experienced um, because it is so deep. Exactly. And <laughs> exactly. And I think a lot of, you know, that, and that's why I just say I share my story. Yeah. And especially with, you know, some people might hear my story and, and, and then something happens to them later in life. Yeah. And then they can remember and that. They call it back. That, and and yes. what you do with your story and the way you write it and the way you tell it is for somebody who hasn't experience a profound trauma or tragedy in their life experiences it when they read your book they experience it with you they experience your life with you and i i don't think that that's something somebody can read your book and just shake off and forget i feel like that's something that they will remember when they're faced with their own struggles they'll call up one of the many you know lines or words that you have in there um, they will call that up and and experiment with it, maybe, and and be, oh my gosh, yes, she was on to something. <laughs> you know, it worked. I just, you know, I I, I just want, Darth, I just wanted to be the example. Yeah. If I chose to stay, which I did, and on some level, I I consciously chose to stay many many times yeah. after I was injured as well. So if I chose to stay, I wanted. And I had this big event and this huge story that, that was just outrageous. I wanted to use it not only to my benefit, but everybody else. Yeah. I wanted it to, I wanted to put more positive energy in the world than the negative energy of that 15 minutes. That 15 minutes changed every aspect of my life yes. in 15 minutes. 
and I and it was so profound. I just wanted to use it for for every 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 person that I could that could hear me, every person I could touch, whether I was aware of it or not. Right. That's what I felt I was meant to do, and for me to be involved in that event, that was a big part of why I was involved. You know, involved in that event. It wasn't because I was a battered woman in in that pattern that I wasn't. So that wasn't my lesson. So I needed to find, I needed to figure that out, and and that came almost easy because it was so obvious to me. It was so obvious. Carmen, when does your second book come out? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I've I've got about a third of it written. I, you know, now that I've been going through this treatment the last couple of months, I haven't been able to write at all. And, you know, and the publishing part is going to be, is unknown. I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get it published. So, you know, I'm I'm really hoping in the next year, I'm really hoping that once, um, you know, I'm through this rejection episode and I'm back to normal, that that's my job is to get this book done. And, uh, you know, and I'll find a way I always do. So, but you know, it's a process. You can't push it. And I tried to push it. It doesn't work. It doesn't have to be patient. (laughs) I just have to wait. And, and go through the process. And, and I just, I just, I really want this to be a really uh, outstanding, helping, supportive book for people. Yeah. So I'm you know, much uh, more careful. And I, you know, I wrote that book with the, with the, with the, with the company I hired. And I did that first book over the phone. I'd only written maybe 80, 80 pages of my stuff. And they, and so they integrated all of my stuff into that. And we did, so we did it very different back then. Um, and this time I, I'm doing it traditionally. I'm writing it myself on my computer and, you know, and, and that I don't have the physicality to do it as long as an, a regular person. So, right. so it's a, it's a different process for me. I'm excited because I know, I know how good it's going to be. You know, I, I know I've learned so much since the first book was published right when I had my face transplant four years ago. I right. wrote that five years ago and lots changed and I've grown and I, you know, a lot, I, you know, I'm just excited to share it. So I'm yeah, hoping in this year. first book is really only half of your story because it seems it like, is. It, it, it is. seems like so many other things have happened afterwards. That oh, yeah. The, that's the truth. So I am very excited to, yeah. uh, you know, to get your next book when it comes out and we will blast it out to everybody we can. And I don't know if there's anything I can do to help you in the process of getting it out. But if there is, we're right there to see. Okay. I'll keep you in mind. I I know it's hard. I I have the two books I put out as well. And I know exactly how difficult it is to break through. There's a lot of, it's a tough ceiling to punch through. It is. It it is. seems like there's more people who are afraid of others succeeding. And, you know, yeah, then, and, then. yeah, and and for me, I'm physically challenged when it comes to doing physical things. So it, it takes me longer, yeah. and you know that, and that I must say is always been frustrating for me, because when you lose a lot of your physical, cat, you know, your your physical abilities at the age of 39, I was only 39, and and it was tough. It it was tough. So I I get. You know, I, I'm a little bit of a, of a, of a bull. I want to go in and get it done even now. And, <laughs> and I overdo it. And I, you know, I, so I get frustrated with that, but, but I, you know, over time I'm learning. 
<laughs> learning every day. It's a process. Learning every day how to live my life and how to <laughs> how to live my life the way I want. So, <laughs> so can you tell us uh, where people can go to get your book? Well, right now they can get it right off of Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I'm coming out with a new website. I don't have the website online right now. I, I did in the past, but I, so I'm building a new website now. So I'm not sure when that's going to come out, but I'll have the link when I have the new website to both books. Okay. Uh, on. And, and I also have a music CD, which I'll put on my new website that people Great. can get directly from me. So and I'll have, it will be, it'll be, a, 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 I'm looking forward to a nice website with a lot of different things that I do a blog. Yeah. Everything so in the meantime, if people want to get in touch with you to maybe see if you'll come out to speak for an event, how can they do that? They they can email me. My email is Carmen Tarleton all together. You know, no no dots, no anything. Carmen Tarleton at Yahoo dot com. Okay. So yep. anybody who is listening, I would strongly encourage you to reach out to Carmen for your event if you have uh, an event where you need to reach people and shake them up and get them thinking. Um, I can <laughs> tell you, I saw it for myself, thousands and thousands. If she can reach teenagers, she can absolutely reach the most bored employee or skeptical conference attendee that you have. Yeah. Not only did you reach teenagers, but you also managed to reach out and establish relationship with doctors, which are arguably the second most difficult segment of society <laughs> to get to treat people like, you know, more than a 15 minute appointment. I mean, you yeah. have established very solid relationships with the doctors and they respect you uh, as a person, they, yeah. they not do. just a patient. I, you know what, Darth? I, I can, you know, I demand it. I'm a, I'm a big part of this. On the big part of the face transplant right. experiment, and it's all experimental, especially with my my incomplete NAT. So I I'm right there. I want all the information. I don't know what they know, but I ask them a lot of questions, and we have a very deep conversation when things are tough yeah. and things are unknown. You know, I'm right there. I I I don't. I'm not a. I was a nurse for 20 years before I was injured. I'm not. The kind of patient that just says, okay, 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 okay. Right. I need to have all the information on really into informed consent. I, you know, I want all the information and I might be tough because I ask a lot of questions. So, you know, you are so I'm my, advocate. my own advocate. Yep. And I, and I think a lot of that is my nursing history. My nursing background has helped me tremendously. So, right. but I know so, not everybody has that. We would love to have you back when your second book is out and um, see if we can't help spread that as well. Okay, that'd be great. Okay. And meantime, yeah. I hope maybe I get to see you at the next Congress next year. I'll be there. <laughs> we will be and I And I have a great idea for the next one. It will blow you away, Dard. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I think the next Congress is going gonna, is gonna to be... Uh, it's gonna be very uh, exciting and very different. I I have a new idea, and it's it's just it's uh people don't do what I'm gonna do. All right. Well, now now I can't wait. The time will fly. Suddenly <laughs> we'll be back there. That is the Congress yeah. for Future Medical Leaders we are talking about. I'll provide some information for that on our website as well. Carmen, thank you very, very much for being here today. I so appreciate it, especially in light of your new bout of 
of pain that you're dealing with. So I really, really appreciate that you took the time out to push through the interview with us. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sard, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you all for listening in to another episode of American Snippet. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to see the featured article and video on Carmen at americansnippets.com forward slash 012. Be sure to pick up a copy of her book, Overcome, Burned, Blinded, and Blessed. And again, if you enjoyed this story, send us a tweet, share this on social media, help us inspire others who will be moved by this incredible story. This podcast episode is brought to you by Thrive Markets. Check out Thrive and their amazing market of healthy food and lifestyle products at amazing prices. Get one month free and some free products by visiting americansnippets.com forward slash thrive. We absolutely love this company because they help you give back. You see, when you buy a Thrive Market membership, you're also donating one to a low-income family, teacher, veteran, or student. So help us spread the health and improve the lives of, of others by going to americansnippets.com forward slash thrive. That wraps up today's show. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. See you next time. <laughs>